It's your Thursday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are as well. Good show coming up. Randy Johnson from the Start to Be joins me here in a bit. Going to talk some gopher hockey. For whatever reason, I don't think I talk enough about the gopher hockey team, men's hockey team on this show, men's or women's for that matter. Um, so Randy and I are going to fix that today, kind of get bring you up to speed on where that team is at this season. Having a good year, but you know, not a guarantee to get into the NCAA field right now. Some work to do. I think Randy said they're 12th in the pairwise right now. Frozen Four at XL Energy Center this year. So a lot of incentive to try to get back there and uh, finish what they almost finished last season. So Randy and I will get into that. A little go for football as well with Randy. That is his primary beat at the Star Tribune. And um, wanted to pick his brain on the new defensive coordinator and any other updates on recruiting. Things of that nature. So we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, Williams Arena story, interesting. We'll get to that at the end of the show. Um, and some results stuff at the end. Some Timberwolves, some um, PWHL, big comeback win for the women's hockey team. Gophers women's basketball team loses and uh, loses in Indiana. And old friend Sarah Scalia, transfer from the Gophers to Indiana, has a big game for the Hoosiers in that one. So we'll get all we'll get all that towards the end of the show. Uh, first, though, what I miss, you know, in some ways. I don't, the timing of this is a little unfortunate because it feels like this has almost been pile on the Vikings week, right? Like Royce and I on Monday talked about uh, the Lions and the Packers just won playoff games. Like the Vikings are kind of getting left behind in the NFC North. Chip Scoggins wrote about that this week as well. Um, you know, you've had all sorts of other stuff. I think Jim Suhan's written about the Vikings. We, I, I've talked about, we did the whole, had Helen Lavelle did the wide left 25 years column. I talked about that on the, uh, on the podcast the other day. Um, 25 years since they lost to the Falcons in the NFC title game. It's not been a great week for the Vikings. Everybody's talking about what are they going to do? What's, the, what's up with the, you know, what's up with the offseason? Team, team at a crossroads. Kirk Cousins, this. Justin Jefferson, that, um, Daniil Hunter, a lot of questions. And then, uh, then yesterday I come across ESPN's Aaron Schatz, uh, who, do, who does, uh, does some good work. He did work for football outsiders, does some good work for other spots as well. Um, come across this piece on evaluating how much production each team in the NFL this year got from its rookies. It's a brand new piece. So I'm like, okay. I, I'm a sucker for these list type stories. I know sometimes they don't give you a whole lot, but Aaron's a very data driven guy. So I'm like, okay, this is going to tell me something. This isn't just his ranking. This is what, this is what the data is telling us each team got from their rookie class in 2023. So I'm going through it. I'm like, I don't think the Vikings are going to be very high. And I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Here's the first problem. Number three on the list, Green Bay Packers. Packers got the third most production from the rookies. And by the way, rookies counts uh, both draft picks and undrafted picks, which is important, uh, especially for the Vikings, who got some got some production from undrafted guys this year. Packers got the third most uh, production from their rookies. Uh, Jaden Reed, wide receiver, had a very good season. A bunch of other players made small contributions for the Packers, but it added up to you know, a pretty good foundation for a team that surprisingly made the playoffs and surprisingly won a playoff game. 
right after the Bears at number four. I'm sorry, right after the Packers at number four on that list, you get the Lions. Lions had huge production from their first four picks in the draft. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks. That's what you do when you stockpile picks when you're able to do that. Um, Sam Laporta, tight end in the second round, huge contributions. By the way, uh, Lions got a second-round pick from the Vikings in the TJ Hawkinson trade. Sam Laporta essentially replacing TJ Hawkinson for less money with about the same kind of capital that the Vikings would have needed to uh, to the, that the Vikings needed to get TJ Hawkinson. Just not saying, just saying. Um, that's interesting. Sam Laporta, uh, they got a defensive back Brian Branch who had a huge year. Jameer Gibbs, their first round running back, was excellent this year. 945 rushing yards, 11 total touchdowns, more than five yards of carry, and linebacker Jack Campbell who had a good year for them as well. Lions fourth most production from their rookie class this year number five the bears so three of three of the other three teams in the nfc north all in the top five of this list got a lot of production from darnell Wright, their right tackle um had a bunch of production from guys drafted a little bit lower a couple corners tyreek stevenson terrell smith um got some other production from other guys so they're number five but now i'm scrolling scroll 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 gotta keep scrolling it's a big list 32 teams each one of them gets a few paragraphs i'm still scrolling you guys i'm, I'm i got my hand on the down button I'm, I'm going way down i'm still scrolling this is real time right now 25th the minnesota vikings um, Aaron writes, the most important rookies for the Vikings were a first-round pick and an undrafted player. That's true. Ivan Pace Jr., the linebacker, undrafted, and, of course, Jordan Addison, the rookie wide receiver. Uh, Addison had 70 catches, 10 touchdowns, 28th in DVOA among wide receivers. He had a very good year this year. Makai Blackman also had a good year, but the rest of the class didn't do a whole lot, and there was only six players in the class, so not a lot of quantity in this year's draft class. So, I'm thinking, okay, that's not great, but, you know, they also had last year, right? That was the first year of the new regime. That was the first year of Quesito Fomensa drafting. Did they do this list last year, I'm wondering? Yes, they did. So I go back and look at that one. Last year's list, number um, the 2022, same exact methodology, things like that. You go down here and you look, okay, where where are we going to find the Vikings? I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. This is the 22 draft class, scrolling 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 okay number seven detroit lions so the lions the last two years number seven and one um number five and the other i believe something like that four or five and the other <clears throat> um aiden hutchinson huge rookie year a couple of years ago um, they got a bunch of other contributions all of these guys contributing now for division winners this year's rookies last year's rookies um can contributing mightily for a division-winning team that seems to be on the rise. So they were number seven. Bears, number eight two years ago. Um, got a bunch of production from a bunch of their players. Safety Jaquan Brisker, a uh, bunch of other players contributed for them. Scroll a little bit. Number 14, Packers. They get a bunch of contributions last year as well. Quay Walker, uh, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson had a good rookie year. He's been injured, but he's still got a lot of potential, things like that. So they had the 14th best rookie class. So all of these teams, <clears throat> you had top 10 almost across the board both years except for the Packers at number 14 uh, a year a, a year ago so here we go scrolling again all the way scroll 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 I'm scrolling again again doing real time I don't know if this is great podcasting or boring to you but just kind of giving you an example of how long it takes to get to the Vikings again at number 25 you remember last year they had a lot of cracks at it they had 
one, two, three, four picks <clears throat> in the top 66 of the draft. A first rounder, two second rounders, and a, and a pick at the top of the third round. Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., Ed Ingram, and Brian Asamoah. It's any of those guys a long-term, really good player for the Vikings. Seen has barely touched the field. Same with Andrew Booth Jr. Ingram has played a lot, but he's been okay at best. He's still not a strong part of that offensive line. And then Asamoah has barely touched the field as well. Now they've got a little bit more production from Ty Chandler, Caleb Evans, um, guys like that have been okay. But again, 25th. So now, some of this is because of the way the rosters were, right? Like 2022, the Vikings didn't necessarily need their rookies. They had a lot of veterans that year. Some of this is need. Some of this is, hey, you're a team in transition. You're a rebuilding team like the Bears were, like the Lions were in 2022. Of course, you're going to get more production from the rookies. I would argue, though, that if you have four picks in the top 66, you should be getting some production from those guys and more production from those guys as uh, as they get older, and I don't think that happened for the Vikings this year either. None of those other four, um, except for Ingram, played very much, and Ingram didn't play all that well. So two straight years now where the Vikings finished 25th in rookie production, and the other teams in their division finish way up there. Top 10 primarily, top 5 in a few of those cases. Um, the only other one outside that was still top half, 14 for the Packers a couple years ago. If you are looking for a reason why, the script has flipped in this division. This is a very good indicator. The Vikings have had holes. They've had opportunities. They've had veterans they've moved on from. They have not replaced those veterans with enough quality young players, at least not yet. They've tried. They've drafted. They have not drafted well yet, at least according to this metric and certainly according to the eye test. So, Again, not to pile on this, we're not breaking news, but I thought this was an interesting way to look at this. This was an interesting way to evaluate, okay, how bad has the how bad have these rookie classes been? How little have they gotten from these classes? How much more do they need to get out of this year's draft, out of these past two draft classes going forward? I would say a whole whole bunch. The Vikings have to get this draft right. They have to start drafting better, getting more production from their young players because this is not sustainable. This is a recipe for getting worse and worse and worse and falling further and further and further behind in this division. I would argue they go into 2024 as the fourth best team in the NFC North. That is where I would say they are right now. That's the way they played for a lot of this season. That's the arc of these other teams who keep getting better. Bears have the number one overall pick. They can do anything they want with that pick. They've got another high draft pick in the first round, their own pick. They have a lot that they have to lean on and like. They got better as this year went on. The Lions were good all year. The Packers got better as this year went on. The Vikings got worse. Even irrespective of the Kirk Cousins injury, they got worse at a lot of spots as the year went on. That is trouble. And I cannot emphasize enough how important this year's draft is for Quasi Adolfo Mensa and the Vikings. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's talk college hockey with Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune. Maybe a little college football at the end, too. 
but I'm most interested in the Gophers men's team right now, Randy. I just I don't feel like I've paid enough attention to them. I, I'm certainly aware of kind of where they're at right now, but I haven't talked enough about them, so I want to bring you on. Catch us up to speed a little bit on kind of what what's the flavor of this season so far? You know, it, it's mainly a, a, a team that's trying to find out who it is. You know, they're, they're, they've, they're replacing five guys who are now playing in the NHL off of last year's team. So, you know, that's a pretty tall order when you get guys like Brock Faber and Matthew Nyes and Logan Cooley, uh, you know, making their mark in the NHL. Um, you know, they, they replace those guys with young talent, but it's still young. And I think they're working their way into who they're going to be They're You know, they've taken some lumps in the first half. They, uh, uh, specifically, you know, Wisconsin came in here, in here and swept them, which was was a, was an eye opener. Told you uh, how quickly that uh, Mike Hastings has turned around the Badgers program, and it uh, showed a little bit. Of, the Gophers got some work to do. Um, they're just coming off. Uh, they had two non conference series. They they split with uh, Colorado College, then had a, a, a dominant sweep uh, over Robert Morris, which they should have. Robert Morris is one of the um, lower lower uh, ranked teams in the, in the pairwise, so. Yeah, they, they needed that, and they played really well, especially in the in the uh, Saturday game. So they should feel pretty good about that. Um, well, no more this weekend. It's not they're not playing uh, 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 one of the top Big Ten teams. They're playing Ohio State, which is in, in last place. Um, uh, did get a uh, split last weekend with Notre Dame. Um, so they'll know a little more about themselves. But I, you know, their uh, situation, they're twelfth in the pairwise right now. You you, you want to get a little, little bit. You know, into that uh, number three, number two seed band if you can, and number three for sure. Uh, you don't want to be in that four seed band where you could be sniped by uh, an automatic conference tournament bid by somebody who who pulls an upset. So, you know, they, they've got some work to do for in terms of the NCAA tournament, uh, getting a decent seed for that. You've said they're kind of trying to to find their kind of find their way, figure out who they are when they're at their best so far this year. What what do you what would you imagine their identity is right now? You know, basically a team that that's uh, that that is good on offense, gets a lot of shots on net, and moves the puck well, and moves the puck out of their zone well, and gets good goaltending from Justin Close. Uh, you know, you have a great scorer like Jim, Jimmy Snuggerud, who's coming off a, a pretty good weekend. He he had twenty shots on goal in the weekend, and finally got got a goal in his last one. But he's been he had a good uh, series of weekend before. Um, you see a freshman like Sam Renzel running into, into form. Uh, uh, Collecting quite a bit of assists in the last three, four games. Uh, coming off uh, like uh, Jimmy, coming off a World Juniors uh, tournament, so he, he's he's played pretty well lately. Um, they got Mason Mason Never uh, Mason Nevers got his first goal of the season last weekend after uh, battling some injury problems, concussion early in the season. Um, it, they, they, if he can heat up, that that'll help quite a bit. Um, uh, Aaron Huglin was very active this past weekend. You know, th- there were some good things that, that came out of this series, as as there should be when you play Ro- a Robert Morris. They play Michigan State in a couple of weeks, and usually that's not one to circle. I mean, Michigan State certainly had some success for the years, but this year, Michigan State awfully good. Yeah, they've they've uh, done a really good job uh, under uh, Coach Adam Nightingale. They have a great goalie in Trey August- Augustine, who led the U.S. to World Junior Gold. Um, they've, they've got a lot of players from that U S national development program in Michigan. So they're, um, which is where Adam, Adam Nightingale used to coach. So that, that's a big help there. They're recruiting a lot better. Um, yeah, they're, they're, um, they were kind of a, 
you know, a, a sleeping giant. Uh, you know, if, if you go back to it, they they are the last uh, Big Ten team to win a national championship back in 2007. So before there were, even was a Big Ten conference. I don't think I realized that. That's amazing. Well, so um, yeah, they're, uh, they're 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 nothing to sneeze at this year. That's for sure. As we look at the rest of college hockey's landscape, I mean, we're not just talking about the Gophers here. I mean, we're talking about all the other Minnesota teams and a lot of them very good. Like, how do we kind of shake out not just where the Gophers stand in relation to those teams, but like who who are who should we be watching college hockey wide uh, down the stretch here? Well, you know, if you, if you stay in the West here right now, you know, St. Cloud State's having a decent year. They're they're right uh, <clears throat> right around where the Gophers are. Um, St. Thomas has has, has uh, put together a nice season so far. They're they're looking pretty good in the CCHA. Uh, Duluth has been taking his lumps a bit. Uh, MSU Mankato, they're uh, they're they're right in the hunt in the CCHA. They're they're um, you know a big transition year from uh, from Mike Hastings to Hastings to Luke Strand. Out east, you got to look at uh, Boston U and Boston College uh, at the top of the polls. Uh, Maine in the in the top uh, six or seven, and Quinnipiac, the defending champ, uh, up there too. So there's it's a little bit more tilted toward the east this year, a little bit on the higher end than it was last year. Um, but a lot of things will shake out uh, between now and the tournament, which uh, we do have the Frozen Four in St. Paul this year. I was going to say, I mean, that's one thing they've got in the back of their minds, kind of to to play for and to to gear up for if you can get you know, into that, you know, at least into the, the, the two or three seed kind of range for seeding, then you've got it. You, know, you certainly got a chance to, to win two games and get those games on your, on your home ice. I, I wonder, like, you know, you mentioned Quinnipiac, it's probably, you know, this point in the season maybe doesn't really have as much relevance, but do you think they experienced at all? Any of that kind of like hangover from last year where they were obviously so close and, and didn't get it done? I'm sure that didn't help things. You know, it, it's such a long season that I don't know. You know, it, it, and it's a, a bit different of a team. Uh, of you know, course, a lot. You know, a lot of those big big guns for the Gophers are no no longer with them. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's you know, it, it, I'm sure it's on their mind. You know, it has been on their mind. It, it, I'm sure it was a motivating factor all summer long, uh, getting ready for the season. Uh, it's yeah, they they. Uh, I'm sure they feel they left something there that they they felt they should have won that game. Especially, I mean, like you mentioned, all the guys that were on that team that are now contributing in the NHL. I mean, we know probably the most right now about Brock Faber. He's playing like twenty three thousand minutes every game. Like he is un, he is being leaned upon so heavily right right this year, and um, just kind of shows what his value was to this team a year ago and now to the Wild. Yeah, he, he's um, he's he's had a spectacular season for the Wild. I mean, he's he's looking like a you know, one of the one of the um, Two or three or four favorites or, or contenders for the the call the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. It, it's he's you know I know I know Connor Bedard will probably get it even though he, he's injured right now. But uh, you know Brock has has been a you know pretty much a mainstay uh, with all the injuries they've had on the blue line. Uh, they just got Jonas Brodine back, which will help, um, and, it, and it did Monday in their win. Uh, but you know Jared Spurton's still injured. Um, you know the blue line's taken a hit, and he's stepped up and and shown that. That you know his learning curve is is pretty quick. He he hasn't uh, he hasn't um, shown that he, he that the that the uh, the stage is too big for him. That's for sure. Beyond this Michigan State series, then I want to ask you a couple uh, football questions, and then get you out of here. Beyond the Michigan State series, what should we be what should we be watching out for in terms of like the key ones on their schedule? Like obviously, every game is big. You want to move up, move down, but some are bigger than others. 
Yeah, they they have a uh, series in, in uh, Wisconsin. You know that's always going to be big. They uh, they pretty much owe Wisconsin because the Badgers came in there came in here and uh, took two from them. Um, you know if they if they want to move up into the in the Big Ten standings, uh, they finished the season at home here against Michigan. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. Michigan, you know, they're in um, they're in a little bit worse shape than the Gophers uh, pairwise uh, in in the pairwise range right now. They're fifteenth, so. They have work to do if they want to return to the tournament, and they they have a lot of young talent like the Gophers. Uh, just trying, I imagine they're just trying to you know get everything to gel right now. Let's transition quick, Randy. You cover Gopher football primarily, and I think since the last time we talked, they hired a new defensive coordinator. What what do we make of of that hire, and what do we know about that hire? Well, uh, uh, Corey um, Heatherman from uh, he was a linebackers coach at Rutgers. Uh, uh, basically, right hand man to Joe Hirosimiak, uh, who basically who was a Gophers assistant, very uh, highly thought of by the Gophers staff. You know, uh, 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 basically a Joe, a Joe Rossi disciple in a lot of ways, and you know, somebody PJ Flex very familiar with. And I think the familiarity was something that they they wanted. They 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 want to know what they were getting. Um, I I think this it seems like he's a, an up and coming young coach and. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes with that. I mean, it, it's some big shoes to fill with uh, with Joe Rossi leaving for Michigan State, but uh, you know, the, he has some. There's some talent there to work with. Uh, there's some other holes that they have to fill and um, and have to hope for a lot better health than, than they they had this past season. But uh, yeah, it it wasn't. I guess it wasn't a surprising hire in any means. No, and they, you know, as much as PJ Fleck will talk about transitioning, changing the identity of the offense at times, needing to throw the ball more, and maybe they'll do that with with uh, Max uh, Max Brosmer coming in at quarterback, but they still will want to control the ball, run the clock, and that helps your defense, and so having a good defense is kind of part of what has to be part of at least what P.J. Flex's identity has been as a head coach. Yeah, and I think, think that too, and I think the, the other thing that, that is intriguing to me is uh, – they they made a change at uh, special teams coordinator bringing in uh, Bob uh, Ligashensky from uh, Syracuse, and I think that's a situation. They're you know they have a freshman come in like Coy Parrish, who's uh, you know a dynamic player. I I think they're they're looking to get a lot more out of their return game, uh, both punting and kickoff. And I'm, I'm not sure if Coy will line up at either of those spots. There's a there's a chance I would say, but uh, you know it it's it's they've not use those the return game very often they've been very cautious so over the years uh with that they they actually in the bowl game they, they did uh get some good uh return yardage from from both the kickoff and the and the punt return which was kind of out of character by them they kind of let their hair down a little bit there it seems like lost darts especially you know punting they everyone's going for hang time now and kickoffs going through the end zone it feels like there's just fewer and fewer opportunities but if you can make the most of them that's a place to get uh, bonus yards and Koi Parrish, he had quite a what was it the all it was an all star game a few weeks ago where I kept seeing highlights of him and everything he was doing. He made a big leaping interception in the end zone, getting a lot of national love uh, from that game. Yeah, uh, Koi had a very good. He was named the MVP of of the All America Bowl. So yeah, that was uh, that was an impressive showing, and uh, I think people are are looking very much forward to seeing him and maroon and gold this fall. Any other recruiting updates? Anything else? Anything else going on with the team right now that we should know about before I let you go? Uh, you know that they did lose uh, their the guy that might have been the backup quarterback in uh, uh, Logan Fife uh, out of uh, Fresno State. He uh, reopened his recruiting. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if they would, uh, when the second transfer portal window opens in April, that if they add uh, a quarterback, if they can find one that's who's you know more in the uh, developmental but mode, but with a little bit of experience who could who could come in and be a backup. Um, you know, I I don't know if they want to uh, have um, Drake Lindsey, um, the uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas freshman, incoming freshman, or or Mac Max Shikandjansky, the um, the Stillwater kid uh, as their backup next year. I think there's there's uh, you know there's probably a spot for somebody to land there in, through the portal. Interesting. Well, we'll be watching that. Maybe not quite as closely as the Vikings quarterback situation over the next few months, but a developing one at that. Randy Johnson, appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll follow your Gophers coverage, whether it's hockey, football, or otherwise, and talk to you soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks a lot. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. Good stuff as always from Randy and another Gophers note um, before we move on to a few professional things here in the cooler. Um, interesting uh, Gophers exploring a renovation of Williams Arena or potentially building a new on-campus arena. Now, made it sound in Marcus Fuller's story like the, the renovation of Williams Arena would be more likely. Mark Coyle saying recently that the next logical thing for us to look at is Williams Arena, um, that there's things they can do for spectators and for players. <clears throat> um, Barn's been open since 19, built, built in 1928. Think about that. Almost 100 years old. Gopher signed a contract a few months ago with Populous, the firm that's done a whole bunch of stuff for them in the past, including uh, helping with the design for TCF Bank, now Huntington Bank Stadium. Williams Arena holds 14,625 fans. It's one of the oldest buildings around. It's fun when it's full. It has not been full lately. This year, it's been about half full. Gophers attendance this year, 7,422 announced attendance. Now, a lot of that's non-conference. That'll probably go up a little bit as the year goes on, but that's half full. Their attendance right now is the lowest it's been in more than 50 years. That is troubling. Could they consider... Um, reducing the capacity. Yeah, that sounds like that's on the table. They've done renovations over the years. Sounds like trying to do a new, a new facility is hard to think about, maybe because of space, maybe because of, of money needed, things like that. They've just done a whole bunch of big projects. I mean, the football stadium's a little bit in the rearview mirror now. That opened 15 years ago. But, um, you know, the Athletes Village, that was a huge project. They've got other things going on. <clears throat> trying to raise funds for something like a new basketball arena could be trouble. But, Something's got to be done here. I, th I think they do recognize that. Interesting that they are taking steps to do that right now and kind of wondering what the what the landscape, what the appetite for that will be with donors. Let's finish with the cooler. Wolves beat the Pistons best in the West against worst in the NBA. Pistons are 4-37 now. I call this a professional-ish effort. Um, they got it half right. The first half, which is most of what I watched in this game, was not good. The Vi I could tell from the beginning that the Wolves were not taking this game seriously enough. Detroit was getting 
easy baskets early. Both teams were like almost 40 points in the first quarter. Um, Wolves just didn't look like they had the focus, the sharpness, but they still did win 124-117, and the lead was bigger than that before Detroit made a couple garbage-time buckets. It, it wasn't really uncomfortable. You had a feeling all the way that the Wolves would do enough to win, and I guess what I'm trying to decide is, is that okay? Is that okay to have a night like that where you kind of take it, take your foot off the gas just a little because you know you're that much better than your opponent? They tried to do that last year. They weren't good enough to do that last year. They weren't a good enough team to not take teams like Detroit seriously last year, and it cost them dearly. Now they're trying to make sure that doesn't happen this season. The problem is, and this is a nice problem to have, they're better this year, right? So they can kind of get away with this, I think, and did against the really, really bad teams. If Detroit was a little bit better, they might have found themselves in trouble. But Detroit is just so bad that they could get away with an 80 or 90% effort in this game and still win. Really good game for Carl Anthony Towns, huge game for Rudy Gobert, and had 27 points. Good game for Jaden McDaniels. I think Mike Conley Jr. was like a plus 20, something like that. He had a good game. So, you know, they, they kind of played it like a, you know, like a game that was, that they had to use their guys. And I think, I think it was only one guy was in the upper 30s of, of minutes. So it wasn't like they had to go huge on the minutes, but they probably would have liked to have won this a little bit more handily, gone deeper into the bench a little bit more easily. I thought head coach Chris Finch had the right attitude about it after the game. So we got a little more serious in the second half. I didn't really like our seriousness in the first half. Exactly. He was watching the same game I was watching. I was watching him on the TV, and every time I saw him in the first half, every time they showed him on the camera, I was like, that is a coach right there who is worried about his team tonight, that is worried that they could in fact lose to the worst team in the NBA, even as the best team in the West. Rest of his quote, wasn't a huge fan of our performance tonight, but we did enough to get a win. End of the day, that's what matters, but it's not the standard we had hoped for exactly. That is a perfect way to sum up that game. Wolves get a win. Flush the process. That was not the process you wanted in that game. That was not the way you want to handle your business, but... That's going to happen sometimes, especially if you know you were that much better than your opponent. And as long as you know how much you have to turn it on, you can get away with that from time to time. You don't like to hear that. You don't even want to say that out loud necessarily. You'd never say that if you were Chris Finch. You would never say, hey, guys, let's just go 85% tonight. I think that's all we need to win. You would never say that. But you have to understand that sometimes, not always, it better not be always because that's what it was last year. It felt like always. Sometimes that's going to happen. And as long as you've got just enough to win, it's kind of okay on occasion. <clears throat> okay. Let's finish with the finish with a couple other things. Minnesota's PWHL team got a big comeback win over Ottawa on the road yesterday. Watched the overtime on Bally Sports North. Saw the overtime goal deflected in off of a uh, <clears throat> deflected in off an Ottawa player. But hey, they all count. Good comeback win for the for the Minnesota PWHL team. Um, and I, I love that all those games are on on TV that you can just, you know, I saw they, saw they were on overtime on social media, so I flipped it on. Love that we can see those games. Love the professional standard of this league so far. Gopher women's basketball team loses to Indiana, like I mentioned at the jump. Sarah Scalia, former Gopher, had a huge game for Indiana. Gophers taking their lumps against the better teams this year. That's what they've got to prove down the stretch here. Can they beat some of those better teams and not just some of the middling teams in the Big Ten? That'll be the challenge for Don Plitzel-White's young team this season. Finally, 
Chips Goggins will be my guest on Friday's show. I uh, just started teaching my class at the University of Minnesota again. I teach an adjunct class over there every year. It's just a once a, it's just a once a year class. It's not a, so it's offered in the spring semester sports writing class. This is my eighth year doing it, and so in in my teacher voice, in my extreme teacher voice, your homework for tomorrow uh, before you listen to the show tomorrow. Go read Chip's profile of Chloe Johnson, his long, long piece on eighth grade basketball phenom Chloe Johnson. It is absolutely fantastic. That will be what Chip and I talk about on Friday's show. Just the work that went into it, her story, his telling of her story, all of that. So that is your homework assignment. Please, if you haven't read it yet, go read it right now. It is excellent. Another home run for Chip, another slam dunk if we're using a basketball metaphor. Um, But you have to read that. Please uh, go check that out. Even if you don't listen tomorrow, check that out right now because it is uh, more of Chip's terrific work. That will do it for today. Thanks for joining me. Like I said, Chip tomorrow, a bunch of other stuff tomorrow as well. Some teams in action. Wild play tonight. Wolves play again tonight. Back to back against Memphis. So we'll talk about that tomorrow as well. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you tomorrow.